0: We've been in a in a series for the last couple of weeks called Move, and today uh, Pastor Josh is actually going to come and 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 he's gonna he's gonna close out the series this morning. I'm uh, I'm pretty uh, excited to hear what he whenever he comes up here. I, I love what he has to say. I love the way the Lord uses him. Um, can I? They're pregnant. Yeah. yeah. Number two. Uh, so, anyhow. <laughs> Pastor Josh. Oh, uh, that's awesome. I was going to do it anyway on, by accident, so thank you for doing that. Um, we had like a 20-minute discussion yesterday. She's like, don't do that again. Because with Elliot, that's how I broke the news. I just got nervous on the stage, and I just was like, a baby. Uh. Uh, just kind of said it, so um, yeah, God's good. Um, speaking of God being good, I'm really um, looking forward to today getting to talk about about fear and just kind of the, the battle that we have with it. Because to me, it's a chance to punch the devil right back in the face. Because from my from my entire life, I've dealt with fear off and on. You know, as a child, um, it was a lot more. Uh, prevalent, it was a lot more obvious, you know, how, dealing with like terrors and stuff like that, and just afraid of all kinds of stuff uh, for no reason um, other than just to, I think, try to silence me, to try to make me just kind of um, doubt everything about God and, and what He had for my life. Um, you know, and even now as an adult, I still deal with it, as many of, of you probably do. It's just a little more subtle now. Um, so, I'm really um, looking forward to today and to being able to share with you, but before we get started, if you would just pray with me. Father, in Jesus' name, we just come to you this morning, God, and we ask that you would just open our eyes to your word, that you would uh, give us fresh understanding, that your word would divide truth from the lies, God, that you would um, give us uh, just a, a new ability to receive your love, to receive your truth. Holy Spirit, we ask that you would just bring this word alive, and that you'd breathe on it, and that you would move in power in this place today, that you would use your word to correct us, and to shape us, and to grow us, and to encourage us, and we just thank you for all that you're doing in our lives, for all that you're doing in this church, and for all that you're doing in this earth, and we just give you the glory and the praise. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so as we get started, uh, we're going to turn to 2 Timothy chapter 1. Verse 7, and I have it in a couple different translations because I want us to kind of get just like a big, broad picture here. In the New King James, it says, For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. In the NLT, it says, God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power, love, and self-discipline. The next one says, For the spirit that God has given us does not make us timid. Instead, his spirit fills us with power, love, and self-control. And just I just love the way that all this has kind of um, gone together week to week to week. You know, uh, last month or maybe a little bit further back, uh, Pastor Eric was speaking on pausing and on learning to just wait on God and, and to learning learning to uh, hear from him and rest in him. And then from there, we moved into this series, Move, and he talked about a couple weeks ago about moving forward. Last week, he talked to us about the uh, oh-so-comfortable thing about moving in obedience when God calls us into getting out of our comfort zone and stepping out and doing new things that he's called us to and so inevitably uh this week we're going to address fear because if we hope to move forward in God if we hope to move forward in obedience we need to know that fear is going to be a part of that process that we're going to encounter fear somewhere along the way how many of you just before we get started let me just ask this question real quick how many of you have ever been in a plane crash one person okay cool how many of you I'm glad you're here how many of you have ever been bitten by a snake one couple people okay well you sit here praise God uh how many of you have ever been caught in a tornado like literally in the tornado we're talking Dorothy Wizard of Oz you're swirling around there's cows flying around you're looking at them that's crazy well man that's we got someone for that this is really backfiring here guys this supposed to be stuff that didn't that's never happened all right (laughs) All right, how many of you have ever stood up on stage and talked in front of people and died? And nobody, but, right? These, These are things that a lot of us, a lot of us, except for some of you weirdos, haven't, like, actually encountered. But they're very common fears among all of us, right? I don't know about you, but if I hear a tornado siren going off, it was funny, like, a couple weeks ago... We were talking at Pastor Eric's house about how tornadoes never come here, and they had this tornado shelter, blah, blah, blah. The next day of, like, Category 5 hurricane, like, or hurricane, I'm from Houston, so we talk about hurricanes. Tornado, we're, like, getting warnings and alerts, and we had gone over to our friend's house, the Thompsons, and, like, we were, like, sheltering down in their house, and I was just like, oh, my God, there's tornadoes out here, right? But I've never actually been, I've seen tornadoes. I used to live in Kansas, but I've never been in a tornado, but for some reason... I just know in my mind what it would be like. I know that there would be cows flying around, and that there'd be a witch on a broomstick, and like it would just be something I don't want to be a part of. I've never been bitten by a snake, uh, but you know, I know that if a snake's around, I don't want anything to do with it. They've actually done studies of people that have never even in- seen a snake in real life have fears of snakes. There's just there's just this expectation that we believe that something is dangerous to us, that something is a threat to us, and that's really what fear is. Fear is is a belief. It's, it's not a truth. It's not an experience even sometimes. It's just an expectation or a belief that something could be dangerous to us, that something could harm us, that something could be a threat. And so like in getting ready for today, I started doing what I always try to do. I started like looking into the science of fear. I was like, I'm gonna tell everyone like what it does to our body and how it's like a, it sends us into a fight or flight response and how it's a survival instinct and I was going to like do all this stuff and then I realized we all know what fear is. We've all encountered fear. Right? Unfortunately, we've all felt its weight, we've all carried that burden, we've all even, you know, some of us have even made a home for it at times. The truth is is that we are familiar with fear. And so, um this got me thinking about my own life and um you know, as a kid I was afraid of a lot of stuff. I was I was afraid of storms. I was afraid of thunder and stuff like that. I was afraid of spending the night places. I was afraid of people knowing that I was afraid of spending the night places. I was afraid of food running out. Um, I'm going to bring a picture one day of, like, when I was a kid. And you know, I'd be like, oh, that's why you always talk about yourself like that. Uh, but, no, I w- you know, I was afraid of a lot of things. In fact, I even had a season pass to fear. Um, back in the, back in the, in the day, uh, we, my parents would get us uh, season passes to Astral World. And before Travis Scott, Astro World was like a place, and it was a theme park in Houston, and they had rides there. They had games and food and all this great stuff, but my favorite part were these green benches that they had all throughout the park. (laughs) Because when we would go to the theme park, um, everyone else was having such a good time with the rides, and I was so terrified. I would actually just sit on the green bench somewhere. And just wait for everyone to ride the rides and have all the fun. And they come back to me. And I was just as happy being there because no one made me ride the rides. I remember one time uh, in seventh grade that we got, a, we got news that our, um, our class was going to be going on a field trip to Everybody' Everybody's excited. Everyone's like, yeah, yeah. You, you would think like, I don't know, like it was like everyone won the lottery or something. Everyone's like, yeah, we're so excited. And I just like started shrinking back in my chair. I was already like planning my excuses. And this was in September. And I was already, like, planning, like, I'm going to be sick on that day, like, and trying to figure it out how I wasn't going to do it. I was going to, like, fail or something. I was going to do whatever it took to not have to go to this theme park and have all my peers see that I was afraid of roller coasters, right? But then one time we go to, to Astro World, and we made the mistake of bringing our our Christian aunt with us. And uh, how many of y'all have, like, a Christian aunt? Like, she prays for everything. You're like, I just scraped my knee. It's fine. Like, it's okay. You ain't got to cast nothing out. It's just some blood. Like, we're good. You know, like, how many of y'all have one of those aunts? Like, I have... I had an aunt, uh, Aunt Linda, and she was solid lady. She was a a, uh, a youth leader, even like she was just she was great all around. She got her whole family saved, like she's awesome. Um, but this day she wasn't awesome. So she comes to the park with us, and somehow uh, she convinced me. That I should try riding a ride, probably because like fears from not from God. She probably used the Bible. I mean, I was like feeling like okay, well, let's go. And so we, we got to this ride called the Viper. And if you've ever been to Asteroid, you know already what the Viper is. Um, but somehow she convinced me that this loop that was green, like the rest of the roller coaster, and had a viper painted on the side of it, was not part of this ride. <laughs> somehow she convinced me that this loop was part of the neighboring ride. And me being so innocent and just full of faith in my Aunt Linda, believed her and followed her. And so by some act of God, I got onto the ride, and I sat there and got buckled in, and we started going up, click, 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 click. I'm like, pray for me, pray for me, pray for me. So she prays for me, right? And I started feeling some peace. I'm like, oh, man. That was like like, one of my first moments. I was like, God is real. Like, he's here. He's giving me some peace right now. Uh, And we're going click, 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 click. And then we go into the tunnel, and as soon as we come out of the tunnel, it just has this massive drop, and I may be exaggerating because I was terrified at the time, but it was was probably like three feet, Uh, this massive drop, and guess guess what that drop went into? This giant, God-forsaken loop that Aunt Linda assured me was not on the ride, and so by that time, I just locked down, I just closed my eyes, I just clenched, and we just going through, and I was just screaming all kinds of stuff, and like, I, I... it was. I was glad that my voice hadn't dropped yet because I was able to really get up there and express my <laughs> discomfort with this ride. Um, but finally, it comes to an end, and I was just, y'all were like, oh, you conquered your fear. No, I was traumatized, and I never really enjoyed it again. But I say all that to say that I had the season pass to this amazing place where all this fun was possible and all these great things were going on, and I never got to experience it because of fear. I missed out on it because I was too afraid, because there was just this, this... I was just sure. There was this belief in me that somehow if I tried to uh, take part in what everyone else was doing, that it was going to kill me. But, uh, you know, I actually today enjoy roller coasters. So, you're like, if you ever go, just let me know. Maybe I'll go with you. I'll prove it. Um, But I was like 22 when I did that. So, it it, it stayed with me for a little while. It took a little while to beat that one. Um, You know, I actually enjoy rainstorms now. You know, except for one time I was, like, a senior in high school, and there was this really bad thunderstorm, and I woke up, and I guess my body had, like, remembered its programming, and I woke up in the kitchen halfway to my parents' bedroom, because I used to go sleep on their floor when it would storm, because I was so scared, and here I am, 16, 17 years old, and I had to, like, have give myself a pep talk and go back to my bed, and <laughs> <It's, it's>, like, <laughs> dude, get over it, no, but now, like, I actually enjoy, I enjoy storms, like, I, you know, I, I think they're relaxing, you know, and, um, I, but... As I was kind of reading just on, on fear a little bit, I, I did come across something that said that fear is actually a normal part of child development. And being the father of a two-year-old, I actually see that in practice a lot. Um, when the blender goes off or the dryer starts making too much noise, my son's like, ah, ah, He starts freaking out, running around. Uh, and he, but what I've tried to do as his father is i tried to step in and give him a different perspective. i tried to show him, hey, look, this isn't so scary. This is, you know, the other day, we stood in front of a window and watched a thunderstorm. And it was so cool to me. Like, I was, like, trying not to cry because... I had my son watching lightning and, thund- and listening to thunder, and instead of running for the covers like I used to do, he was sitting there beating his chest going, whoo, 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 and he was like, and he was roaring, and he was like, roar, because like, this was stuff that I wanted to give him a different perspective, and I would say to you today that the things that have always scared you, that maybe God wants to give you a different perspective today, that maybe God wants to help you look past that and have a different reaction to it. Even though, uh, you know, these little fears here and there, Uh, are common among children and are part of their development, eventually they mature past those fears. And to me, this entire series about moving, about getting out of where we're at and moving forward in obedience and moving forward in God is all about that very thing, maturing. It's about us maturing in God and maturing in what he has for us. And so there are some fears that were okay for us when we first began. There were some uncertainties that were okay if we wrestled with those, but I would say to you this morning that the time has come for us to mature past those. The time has come for us to put that faith, instead of putting it in our fear, to put it in our God. And to see him help us past that, to give us a different perspective. Because the truth is, every single one of you here are a part of God's plan on this earth. If you weren't, you wouldn't be here today. I love that Avi was, stood up here and said, I feel like you know God had a call for my life and that, that, that became more real at camp. That's every one of us, guys. He has a plan for each and every one of you. Come on, the book of Jeremiah tells us that he knew the plans that he had for us from the beginning, that before we were formed in our mother's womb, that he knew us. Ecclesiastes tells us that he set eternity in our hearts. Come on, the book of of Peter tells us that we are a chosen people, that we're a royal priesthood, that we're set apart, that we're called out, that we are set here to do things that he's already put in motion, that he's already designed. And so we have to know that in order to do that, that we're going to have to confront some fears. And for me... The story of Joshua is like a perfect um, picture to this, to this whole mindset of we're going to step out into what God is calling us, but there's, we have every reason to be afraid, but we're going to trust God anyway. And also I like it because Joshua is God's favorite name. Um, but we start uh, in the book of Joshua. Here's, let me just kind of set it up for you. So the people of Israel, uh, the, the Hebrew people, the uh, God's chosen nation have been uh, sent out, they, they've taking this giant migration, this giant exodus from uh, Egypt. Remember, they're following a man named Moses who's doing all kinds of crazy things with his stick, and he's turning it into snakes, and he's making uh, water turn into blood, and frogs and locusts are showing up everywhere. He's doing all these crazy signs. Um, on the escape, on the way out, he's just like, don't worry. He pulls out like the garage opener and the, to the Red Sea, and it just opens up, and they just walk right through it. Um, they, they wander through the desert for 40 years. God's given a miracle after miracle, providing for them. He's doing all this stuff. They get right to the edge of the promised land that they've been holding on to for 40 years. And this leader of theirs decides it's time to check out. Right? It's here on the border of entering the promise that Moses, their mighty leader, dies. And so we read, um, this is where, where we're going to pick up in Joshua chapter 1. Starting in verse 2, this is the Lord speaking to Joshua. says, My servant Moses is dead. Good news. Now therefore, arise, go over this Jordan, you and all this people, into the land that I am given to them, to the people of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given to you, just as I promised to Moses. From the wilderness and this Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites, to the great sea, Toward the going down of the sun shall be your territory. It's like a real Mufasa moment. It's like, everything the light touches. Right? They're just sitting there with Simba and he tells him like, everything out here, everything that you see ahead of you, that's for God. That, that, that's going to be for you. Everywhere you step, I'll give it to you. He says, no man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. Just as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you or forsake you. Be strong and courageous for you shall cause this people to inherit the land that I swore to their fathers to give them. Only be strong and courageous and very courageous. Can you imagine what Joshua might be feeling in this place? Just think about your own life. Like, you go into work tomorrow, and the CEO died this weekend, and you're like, hey, uh, we need you to take over. And you're like, you're like me, like, I'm just, I'm literally the lowest person on the totem pole at my job. Like, I'm literally at, like, they just fired the receptionist, so I am the lowest <laughs> now. Um, and so, uh, praise God. Um, but anyway, we started from the bottom. One day we'll be there. All right, so, Imagine that though. You walk in and they're like, yo, uh, everyone that was in charge, they're gone. It's on you now. Like You got to do this. Now, add to that the expectation of a people who've been wandering through the desert. From, y'all think it was hot here like this last couple days? Y'all think it's been hot? Yeah, 40 years, all right, in a desert. And you're like, all you have is this promise from God. And you can't even talk to this guy because uh, you have to go through this man named Moses. And then You know, this dude's like climbing holy mountains and getting words from God and writing them down on tablets. And it's like the law that the entire nation follows now, right? Not to mention that this land, this promise that you're stepping into, it's not just like gift wrap; It doesn't have balloons on it. It's actually still full of enemies. Like you have to go and take this. This is what Joshua walks into. This is what uh, he gets blessed with. And I just, it doesn't really tell us like what Joshua was thinking or what he was feeling, but if this Joshua was there, I mean, there's some, there's some fear um, of adding up. There's some fear of, you know, filling this, these shoes and walking in this shadow. You know, I have to, I get the privilege, I'm telling myself, I get the privilege to sing on this stage that, Nate, I feel these things on. You know what that feels like? You you don't, all right? You don't know what that feels like, okay? And so I can imagine maybe the pressure that, that Joshua feels having to step into Moses' shoes. I can I can imagine maybe there's some fear of the enemy. There's some fear of the wars that are to come. There, you know, there, there's a lot of fighting ahead of him. There's maybe some fear for his life, perhaps. But I know, I just know, especially if it's me, there's some fear of man tied into this. What, what, if, what, what, what will everyone think? What will, will they follow me? Will they, will they listen to me? I, I don't know. I don't, I don't know, you know if, if I'm really um, someone that they're going to like because I can guarantee you that that, out of that entire group of people, there were some people in there that wanted that position. There were some people there that thought they could do it better. There were some people that thought that they should be the ones leading. But how many of you guys know that God didn't take a vote? God doesn't take votes. He chooses. And God has chosen you. And God has selected you and handpicked you for that calling that he's placed on your life. And you you don't need to go confer with anybody else. You don't need to go uh, get someone else's approval because God has already approved you. God has already chosen you. And so... Um this, kind of, this brings us you know, t- to our first point, and it's, this is, it's that fear is very real. Fear is a real thing, but fear is not from God. So fear may be something that we experience or that we encounter, and if we just pretend like it doesn't exist and we sleep it under the rug, we're not going to know how to react when we encounter it. So we need to address and acknowledge that fear is a real thing, that it is a natural response to some situations, but we don't have to allow fear to stay. We don't have to allow fear to take up root. What is from God, we read when we started, is, is what? The spirit of power, a spirit of love, of a sound mind. I love that, that it says that he gave this to us because if he gave it to us, then it's something that we were in need of. It's something that's not natural to us. It's something that we've got to receive. It's supernatural. It's something that we've got to learn to receive and apply to our lives, right? When I read this, power, love, okay, that makes sense. Love casts out fear, you know, power. If you're going to fight something, you need to be able to throw down on it. Your boy's been hitting up nine rounds lately, and just been learning how to throw them hands, so, you know, if you ever want to test me, don't. Um, But anyway, so those make sense to me. Power, love, all right, I got you. But sound mind is like, I never really saw how that vibed with with this whole thing until recently, and I actually realized that maybe the sound mind that God has given us, this mind of Christ, is actually our greatest asset against fear, because he's given us his mind He's actually given us the ability to process the reality of fear, but to choose a different truth, right? So we can still process this reality reality that fear is real, but we don't have to just obey what it says. We don't have to go off of our instincts, but because God has given us a new mind and he's taught us to think a different way, we can actually change our response. We can choose a greater truth. We can choose the truth that God is for us so none can be against us, that there's nothing that that can separate us from his love. Number two, so we talked about uh, just now fear is real, but it's not from God. Number two, fear wants to keep you on the other side of your promise. Fear wants to keep you on the other side of your promise. See, I believe that today that we still stand on the edge of what God wants to bring in our lives and what God wants to do through our lives. And like the people uh, of God in the in the book of Joshua, how they stood at this border, it required some movement. It required them taking some action. Joshua uh, heard from God Three things. He heard a lot of stuff, actually, but three things I want to look at this morning. He heard arise, he heard go, and he heard be strong and courageous. Arise. Get up out of what you're used to. Get up out of what's normal. Get up out of what you've settled for. I would say the same thing to you this morning. Where have you settled in life? Where have you had a word or a promise from God and you've decided, like, it's just not worth going after anymore? It's not worth fighting for. It's not worth pushing and giving an extra effort for anymore. I would tell you this morning the same thing that God said to Joshua when it was time for him to step up because people need this leader. Step up. Arise. Get up. Get out of what you've settled for. He said, go. Go over this Jordan, right, this boundary line. Move out of what you've always known. If you're not happy where you're at in life, what's the last thing God told you to do? Where, where could you increase in obedience? Where, where could you um, do more of what God has called you to do? Get up out of what you've always known. Get out of what's your routine. Get up out of this stuff. Cross over and move into God. what God has for you. Move past fear. And he said, be strong and courageous. Strong and courageous. And I've, re- I've realized this in my life. And it's that courage doesn't show up until fear arrives first. Right? We don't need courage until fear is on the scene. We don't. We don't have a reaction to that, and you don't really need courage until there's something to, be, uh, to battle with that courage. And we've all heard that this before, that courage is not the absence of fear, but it's action in the face of fear, right? That's what bravery is. That's what, that's what this, this means. And as we read Joshua's story, we see what, what God does with, with obedience, because it's really kind of exhausting if you read through Joshua's story. Um, it's like a John Wick movie. It's like just fight after fight after fight after fight. You turn the page, like, surely, like, they're going to, like, make a sacrifice or have some praise. Not just another fight and another fight and another king dead and another king dead and another king dead and 31 kings in all. And they tell you just about every blessed one of them that, that he encounters, right? And I just love this story because as you read through it, you see impenetrable walls fall down from... People just shouting and blowing trumpets, right? Walls that that their enemies had taken as a stronghold and thought that they were safe from had just fell in an instant, right? King after king, army after army fall to his sword. The sun stops moving in the sky. How many of y'all have ever seen that happen? None of y'all have because the Bible said it only happened once. But um, the sun literally stops moving in the sky so that Joshua can claim the victory, And all this happened because Joshua obeyed God. And because Joshua obeyed God, everything that God said came to pass. Everything he said came to pass. Acting in in the face of fear always points to God. When you can can look fear in the face and you can still decide to act and to move and to obey, it will always point back to God. Because they'll say, these walls shouldn't have fallen. That must have been their God. This army, okay, that one was kind of weak, but these other 30, that must have been God. Right? The sun stopped in the sky. Yeah, well, someone just fly, Icarus fly up there and just stop it? No, like, God did that. Right? They'll look at your life and they'll say, that marriage could have only been saved by God. They'll, they'll say, that relationship could have only been sa- salvaged if God got involved. That need could have only been met if God got involved. That, that cancer could have only gone away if God got involved. Right? There's, there, there are things that, uh, in your story, that will only happen on the other side of obedience. I want us to go back to, uh, to where we started, Second Timothy chapter 1, and go back a few verses. Starting on verse 3, we read this. I thank God whom I serve as did my ancestors with a clear conscience as I remember you constantly. This is Paul writing to, to his padawan, Timothy. He says, uh, I remember you constantly in my prayers night and day. As I remember your tears, I long to see you that I may be filled with joy. I am reminded of your sincere faith, a faith that dwelt first And your grandmother, Lois, and your mother, Eunice, and now I am sure dwells in you as well. For this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God gave us a spirit, not of fear, but of power and of love and self-control. Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner, but share in suffering for the gospel by the power of God, who saved us and called us to a holy calling. Not because of our works, but because of his own purpose and grace, which he gave us in Christ Jesus before the ages began. Look, Paul didn't write this coming out of a Jesus retreat, okay? He wasn't on top of some spiritual mountaintop somewhere just saying, oh, praise be the Lord, and let me just encourage you, brother. No, he wrote this from a Roman prison, waiting his own execution. Right? This was, during this time, there was this, this emperor in charge of Rome by the name of Nero, who was a maniac, who set the city on fire for his own entertainment, right? He... Relentlessly hunted down and persecuted Christians. He would crucify them. He would make human candles out of them. He'd dress them in wax clothing and set them on fire so his garden could be lit up at night. He'd sew them up in animal skins and let dogs hunt them down. This dude was sick. This was the atmosphere. This was the setting. This was the reality that Paul and Timothy are having this conversation in. And so I can understand as a young minister that Timothy might be a little, he might be timid-y. He might be feeling a little little bashful he might feel a little um influenced to maybe just back off a little bit maybe just don't be so out there with this whole jesus thing maybe just chill a little bit just wait until this dude you know someone's going to stab him in the back eventually he's an emperor so he'll, it'll work itself out maybe just wait a little bit and then do what god t- told you wait till the dangers pass and then do what god told you no it was right in the middle of this where paul looks to his disciple and says hey man I was there when when God marked you. I was there when God put that inside of you. Stir that up. This is the time. This is is what we got to do this in. And look, I would give you the same charge today because many of you remember the moment God spoke to you. You remember the moment God came to you and touched you and put something on your life and opened your eyes and showed you who he was. But maybe there have been things that have come along to choke that out. Maybe there have been things, some fears that have come to try to quench that fire that he set ablaze on the inside of you. Maybe, Maybe there were some things... Some threats, maybe there were some diagnosis, maybe there was some need or some circumstance that came up and caused you to kind of back down. But I would tell you the same thing that Paul told Timothy is stir that up. We need that now. We need that for here. We need that. You you can't be silent in a time like this. Fear cannot have the final say. You've got to be willing to, to step up and to fan into flame the gift inside of you. Be strong. Be of good courage. Take hope. I didn't I didn't really know how to work this in and, and probably won't get into it too much today, but there's another fear in the Bible that's talked about frequently and it's the fear of the Lord. And I've I've just literally I've just like recently come up with a motto for my own life and it's I want to save my fear for God. I want to use the fear that, that I feel, I want to use that to obey God and to revere God and to worship him and to stand. In awe of him. I don't have time to be afraid of people. I don't have time to be afraid of evil. I don't have time to be afraid of, well, what happens if? What, what happens if, if I believe God, if I step out? I wouldn't be here today if, I, if God didn't give me the grace to step out and believe him and trust him. Because we really have no reason to be here other than this right here. This is, you should see the people's look on people's faces when they're like, wait, you did what? Wait, you living where? Wait, you're working what? Oh, and your wife's pregnant again? Mm, mm, right. You should see the stuff, the reactions that I get because I decide to follow God. But if I cared what people thought about that, I wouldn't be obedient to what He's put on my life, right? And this, I would encourage you to be the same way—to step out and to trust God and let Him deal with everything else. So the fears that we feel, you know, they're real, but they're not from God. And we just need to understand that. It's going to take some fighting. It's going to take some resistance. That that's par for the course. That that's something that we just are going to experience along the way. Jesus himself told his disciples, in this world there will be trouble, right? There's going to be stuff that you come, come up against. But be of good cheer for I've overcome the world. As we look to Jesus, come on, he always leads us into triumph. He always gives us the victory. He's called us to be more than conquerors. Ooh, look, just praise God. <laughs> they just going higher. We're all going higher this morning. All right, so... He's called us to be more than conquerors, right? He's called us to be more than conquerors. And guess what, guys? Conquerors are people that are accustomed to battle. Conquerors know what it means to fight. Conquerors, every champion has some scars. Come on, there's some stuff that's going to happen. The Bible tells us that the kingdom of heaven suffers violence, but the violent take it by force. This, is, this was never promised to be a cakewalk. You were promised victory. Right? You weren't promised that maybe some stuff wouldn't happen along the way, but you were promised that it would never be too much, that, that God would always make a way, that God would always give you the victory. And so um, I just, all throughout the Bible, there's, there's stories um, about fear. There's, there's examples of people battling fear, overcoming fear, giving in to fear, all kinds of stuff. But I was really drawn to the story of Esther um, because to me, Fear is actually one of the leading characters in this story, um, and then I don't know if um, if we have the band or someone will come up here and start playing. We're gonna start landing this thing, um, <laughs> super smooth. I know, uh, but here we are um, with the story of Esther, and fear is just loud and proud. Man, fear just in all in this story just rah rah, and I guess is a story I never really read through to the end because I saw the movie I actually did not lie I was trying to be funny I didn't see the movie um, <laughs> The King and I or whatever I didn't see that movie. I don't know why I said that forgive me uh, But I knew the gist of the beginning like I'd read parts of it and I knew that you know that she was this uh, this Jewish girl, this Hebrew girl and she was you know the cousin of Mordecai and uh, that she was uh, except that the king chose her to become the new queen and that she dealt with this scary situation where she was going to have to speak up and confront the king, even though he'd never beckoned her, and knowing that it could cost her her own life, and she did it anyways, and people were saved. So I knew that part, right? But I didn't really finish it, and I finished it recently, and I was, like, about to just, like, I don't know what I was going to do. I'm running laps in my house. I was doing crazy stuff. Uh, but just to kind of set, set us up for where we're going to pick up, we're going to pick up here at the end. But um, so Esther's chosen as queen. And, uh, and so there's Esther and Mordecai, there's the king, and then there's this other guy who is the bad guy. He's the villain in this story. He's one of, uh, he's the king's like right-hand dude, and his name's Haman. And Haman decides that he hates all the Jewish people, and he wants to get rid of all of them. He wants to just wipe them off the face of the earth. And, uh, and so kind of just scheming behind the scenes and pulling some strings, he actually... Um, gets permission from the king. He then writes a world decree with the full backing of the king. Sends it all across the empire um, saying that we're going to pick a day and on this day every Jewish person in this kingdom is going to be wiped out. We're, he's like rallying the troops. It's like the purge. He's like, get ready. We're going to go out and we're going to kill all the, all these people. We're just going to kill them all on this day. This one night we're going to take them out. And so, um, this, this is kind of what the setting and what's going on. And as you can imagine, y'all remember Y2K? Y'all remember that? Some of y'all don't, but y'all remember like the panic and everyone's like, oh my God, this is the day we're all going to die. Like if you knew the day that you were supposed to die, if you knew like this is the apocalypse, this is when it's coming, could you imagine? Maybe there'd be some dread. Maybe there'd be some, some fear there, some terror, knowing that your days are numbered, knowing that there's only so much longer to to live on this, on this earth. So this is the reality for the Jewish people in this kingdom. And this was not just like some normal. Kingdom. This was like, it, it, the Bible says there's something like 127 provinces. It says it was all the way from Ethiopia to, to India. And I don't know, if that's probably different in this time, in Bible times, but I Google um, mapped that. And that would take you uh, like 83 days to walk. Right? They, they did a lot of walking back then. Um, it was like, like 6,000, 7,000 miles. Like this was huge. So fear has just spread itself all across this kingdom, all across this empire, this nation. And they have this setting. And this is when Esther and Mordecai, who are marked for death, decide to move. They decide in the face of fear to step up and to do something. And uh, this is our third point. When fear is the loudest, God's victory is nearest. When fear is... Loud, loudest in your life, when it's boasting and bragging and saying that it's going to take you out, just hold on, because God is, is nearest in those moments. I love, I love the song we sang, and it talks about, about the song that, that tells us that even though we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, that we don't have to fear evil, that even in that shadow, even in that valley, that God will make a table for us in the presence of our enemies. How many of y'all sit down at a table and you're like watching your back and you're like scared no when I sit at a table I'm like I'm eating I'm chilling like I'm just you know telling jokes trying to be funny trying to make people laugh they're not laughing I get offended like but just like at a table that's a place of nourishment that's a place of relaxation that's a place come on where, you, where you're ministered to where you're nourished and that happens in the middle of fear that happens in the middle of darkness in the middle of the valley he's promised to be with us and so uh, Mordecai and Esther get involved in this thing, and uh, Esther starts using her queenly influence, among other things, and actually gets the ear of the king. And they expose Haman's plot, and so it's actually twisted on its head. And everything that Haman had devised to destroy these people, the king has now reversed because he found out that his own that his own queen was was marked for death. And so they put they uh, they not only cancel Haman's order, they actually empower and equip the Jewish people to go out and attack those who were seeking their demise. And this is where we're going to pick up in Esther chapter 9. It says, on the 13th day of the 12th month, the month of Adair, I'm not going to say that again like that, so just so y'all know, uh, the king's order came into effect. This was the very day that the enemies of the Jews had planned to overpower them, but the tables." Were turned. Oh, guys! The title of the sermon is "Turn the Table." I forgot to tell you that. Supposed to say that at the beginning. So, if any of y'all are ever going to do this, just take a note. You start with your title. Okay, I forgot. All right. But the tables were now turned. The Jews overpowered those who hated them. The Jews had uh, the Jews had gathered in the cities throughout King Xerxes' provinces to lay hands on those who were seeking their ruin. Not one man... See, the message get a little gangster. It's like they, they went out to lay hands on them, And they weren't even talking about praying for him, guys. They were like laying hands on him. Not one man was able to stand up against them. Fear made cowards of them all. What's more, all the government officials, satraps, governors, everyone who worked for the king actually helped the Jews because of Mordecai. They were afraid of him. Mordecai by now was a power in the palace. As Mordecai became more and more powerful, his reputation had grown in all the province. So the Jews finished off all their enemies with the sword, slaughtering them right and left, and did as they pleased to those who hated them. So it continues on and actually like gives you in detail a little bit more about how they, uh, how they achieved this victory and how many people they killed and all this stuff. And it was actually the, um, it actually sets the tone for a holiday that they, the Jewish people still follow today because of what happened in, in this moment, in this uh, time in history. And so just jumping down to verse 20, just kind of summing up all the stuff that that happened, you can go back and and look at it. Uh, It says, Mordecai wrote all this down and sent copies to all the Jews in all King Xerxes provinces, regardless of distance, calling for an annual celebration on the 14th and 15th days of Adar. I did it. As the occasion when Jews got relief from their enemies, the month in which their sorrow turned to joy, morning somersaulted into a holiday, For parties and fun and laughter, the sending and receiving of presents and of giving gifts to the poor. And they did it, and what started then became a tradition, continuing the practice of what Mordecai had written to them. Haman, son of Hamadatha, the arch enemy of all the Jews, had schemed to destroy all Jews. He had cast the lot to throw them into panic and destroy them. But when Queen Esther intervened with the king, he gave written orders that the evil scheme that Haman had worked out should boomerang back on his own head. So the way that, that Haman picked this day of destruction, this doomsday, this where he was going to wipe out all the Jews, was he, he cast some lots. And so it, it came up and said, on the 13th day of the 12th month, we're taking everybody out. And he just couldn't wait to get started. On the first month, the 13th of the first month, is when he sent out all the decrees. He's like, hey, y'all only got... Eleven months, y'all only got ten months left. Like, then we're coming. He was so excited, looking forward to this, and and he cast these lots, and and so this is how this day was chosen. He didn't know that that the name of that month actually comes from the word power. That 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 means um, this is the same thing as as power, the word for power. And uh, I love it. I, I was reading into this a little bit, and the Jewish people are taught to this day that. Uh, they have this motto, and it says this, when the month Adar arrives, we increase in joy. When this month arrives, we increase in joy. How many know that their ancestors looked at this day a lot differently when they first heard? This is the day that we are supposed to be wiped out. This is the day of our greatest fear. This is the day of terror grabbing our hearts and spreading across this kingdom. But instead, God got involved. And in a moment, he changed Everything, and it wasn't just that one time, but it was actually something that would carry on from generation to generation to generation to generation, to, generation to where they even celebrate it today. And the day that their ancestors once feared, they now look forward to because it's the time when they increase in joy. I would say today that there may be some stuff that fear has said in your life. There's maybe some days that fear has marked in your life, and it said, "This is when you die. This is when." When your dreams fall apart, this is when it's all over. But God wants to get involved, and God wants to change that. God wants to give you an expectation for His ability to intervene, for His ability to overcome. We said that fear is real, but it's not from God. We said that fear wants to keep you on the other side of your promise. We just said fear is uh, when fear is loudest, God's victory is nearest the main thing I want you to catch today is that what you think will end you, God will use to remind you. That What you think is going to end you, God wants to use to remind you. To remind you of his goodness. To remind you of his faithfulness. To remind you of his power and his ability. And that he is involved in your story and that he is paying attention and that he is for you so none can be against you. That he is with you and not against you. Come on. He wants to change your expectation this morning. He wants to take the things that you've always been afraid of and cowered away and he wants to give you new insight he wants to show you new things he wants to turn that into a reason to celebrate the thing that the enemy meant to destroy you to stop you where fear wanted to freeze you in your tracks god is going to use that very thing to glorify his name Come on, he's going to use that very thing to, to bring about a continual reminder. That's the best part of this story, is that it wasn't a one and done, but this is every single year these people practice the faithfulness of God. They remember the moment that he intervened in their story, that he took their biggest fear and their biggest dread, and he turned it into his biggest victory. Come on, he's still doing that today. He's the same God yesterday, today. Forever. The, that, moment, that that moment that thing that has always tied down your family. Come on, that generational curse, that thing that has always beaten everyone in your bloodline. Come on, you you're part of a new family today. Come on, God has changed your story. God has intervened. And not only does he want to change it, he wants to give you reason to change your legacy, to change everyone to come after you. That they can look at what God did in your situation, in your moment of fear, in your day of doom, and how he turned that into his glory, and how he turned it into um, a, a way for us to look to him and to see his victory. Amen. Praise God. Hey! Look. Good work. I just, man. Man, I can't can't tell you how good it is To have God do this in your life To be afraid of something for so long To be held back by something for so long And to see that That wasn't proof that he forgot you That wasn't proof that he turned his eye He was just waiting for the moment to step in that he knew that if he just swooped in and, and saved you from any heartache, from any pain at all, that, that you maybe wouldn't learn how to be thankful. But because you felt it a little bit and because you kind of carried it for a while and you wrestled with it, like Jacob, and he just wrestled with God. He said, I'm not letting go until you bless me. Because we, we, we've struggled with these things a little bit, we see their power and we see that we can't do it in ourselves. And so we're so much more thankful when he steps in and he changes it all in a moment. Come on, fear wants to to say some things about you. Fear wants to make some decrees in your life. Fear wants to set some expiration dates on your dreams. But if you'll be like Esther and you'll go to the king, he'll change it all. He'll write a decree. He'll turn it on its head. He'll send it out. He turns the table and he shows up in power and he defeats your enemy. He defeats your fear. Like we said just a little bit ago, when Haman decided, chose this day, it was from casting lots. And the Hebrew people actually used lots to determine God's will. And, you know, as you read through the story of Esther, you don't read about. God is not mentioned by name in the book of Esther. And you may feel like in your story, you don't know where God is. But it's evident. As you read these pages, as you see the the evil and the schemes that are, are, are devised against his people and how they turn in an instant, it's obvious that God is all over that. And I wanna encourage you today that you may not know where God is. You may not see him anywhere around in your story right now, but he's paying attention. He's watching, he's involved, he's taking interest in you. And so he casts these lots to decide the day of when he's gonna carry out his grand plan. And it was actually the Lord that set that day. It was the Lord that determined that this was gonna be the day. This was going to be the continual reminder that I'm going to use for my people to show them a reason to celebrate, a reason to have joy, a reason to walk in victory. Proverbs sixteen thirty three says, the lot is cast into the lap, but it's every decision is from the Lord. There's some things, some battles, some fears that you're fighting and you don't know where they came from. But maybe God set that up because he wants to show you something new. He wants to show you something about himself. When I got here, guys, I was a mess. I was God, you forsaken me. You called me out here for what? Why? Why am I here? What in the world? And just just the struggle alone and seeing him show up in that struggle has been worth it. Come on, it's not always about where where we where we where we're going, but it's about how we're getting there. And there are things that God has done in my life personally along the way in this journey of just trying to follow him just trying to be obedient that I wouldn't trade the world for and I would tell you today that he wants to do the same thing in you so the, team, the worship team come up we're about to have a chance here to respond one more scripture Proverbs twenty-nine twenty-five says fear and intimidation is a trap that holds you back fear and intimidation is a trap that holds you back But when you place your confidence in the Lord, you will be seated in the high place. Don't get it twisted this morning. Fear is not your friend. Fear wants to hold you down. Fear wants to hold you back. The Bible tells us that we've not received the spirit of slavery to drag us back into fear, but that we've been given the spirit of adoption, the spirit of full acceptance, that we're part of a different family now, that we belong to God, that we are his sons and his daughters. Don't mess around with fear. It doesn't have good things in store for you. It doesn't have your best interest at heart. It wants to drag you back into slavery. Fear wants to control you. Fear wants to dictate what your day looks like. It wants to dictate what your future looks like, how your kids respond to, to, to life. Like Fear wants to control everything about you. Fear doesn't want you to speak up. That's why I'm excited to be here today because there was a lot of stuff I wrestled with as a kid. I never would have thought God would use me in this way. I never thought I'd get the chance to say, that fear sucks, that fear's liar, that fear doesn't have a place in my life and it doesn't need to have a place in yours either. I'm thankful that we have a God that changes the story. And so I want us to have an opportunity this morning to respond to this. Um, We have some people that that are gonna pray for you, pray with you. They're gonna come up here to the front. That's you if you know who you are. Come on up this time. Well, maybe you're sitting there today, and, and fear is holding you back. And you're like, you're like the Jewish people in the story of Joshua. You're standing at the border. You're standing at the edge of what God wants to give you, the promise that He's handed to you. And you're right there at the edge, but there's just some stuff that you've got to move past. There's some fear that you've got to step past. Maybe like Esther, the story in Esther where fear is just really loud. Maybe fear is on a platform with a megaphone screaming in your life. You're going to die. It's not going to happen. The thing that you want, it's going to be all over soon. Maybe fear is all that you can hear right now. I want to encourage you to take a step like Esther did, like Mordecai did, to step out and to allow God to meet you, to allow God to turn the table, to allow God to intervene. So we're going to, as, as we begin to worship, I want this to just be a time where, where you look to the Father this morning. I'm not saying that you have to have every answer. You have to have it figured out, that you have to all of a sudden become brave. I'm saying just take a step. Just make one decision this morning, that that outwardly I'm going to express my willingness, God, for you to come and step into this situation. This fear that I've been facing, I can't handle it anymore. I can't beat it on my own. God, I need your power. I need you to show up. If you don't intervene in this situation I'm going to be wiped out it's all going to be over you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear you were not given a spirit of fear but of power of love of a sound mind come on that's the father's words to you this morning that fear that you're holding on to, that fear that's in your life, I didn't give that to you. I gave you what you need to overcome that. I gave you power. I gave you a spirit of love, of acceptance. I gave you a sound mind. I gave you the mind of Christ. The mind to overcome. The mind to, to look at fear but to choose a different outcome. To choose truth this morning. Before we before we sing, remember the story of David and Goliath. And there's a, an army who's just been berated by this giant day after day after day after day. And all of a sudden, the shepherd boy shows up and puts an end to it in an instant. God gets involved in an instant and changes everything. There's giants of fear in your life. There are things that have been big, just yelling in your face have been berating your god have been berating your hopes and your dreams and your faith and have wore you down but god sent a champion his name is jesus no giant can stand in the presence of our king no giant can stand in the presence of our savior and he wants to meet you this morning and he wants to intervene in your story, and he wants to give you new hope, and he wants to change everything on a dime. He wants to intervene. He wants to give you a reason to celebrate. He wants to give you a reason to rejoice in the face of fear, to laugh at the days to come, because he's greater than any fear. So we're going to worship together. I want to invite you all to stand to your feet as we worship this God, and if that's you, if if you have fear in your life, and you've been struggling with this, and you need to help overcome it, come on, don't be ashamed this morning. We all deal with it. We all are familiar with fear. We all know what it feels like. We all have have felt that weight. You don't have to carry it any longer. You can come forward this morning and allow God to intervene, to take over, to change your story.